Hello, the internet, and welcome to Season 184, Episode 5 of Your Daily Zeitgeist, mm-hmm. a production of iHeartRadio. <laughs> this is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It is Friday, May 14th, 2021. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Chugi Hauser, uh, <laughs> a.k.a. Chuggy Knights, a.k.a. Chugbaka, a.k.a. The Chuggy Men, a.k.a. Demarcus Chuggy Cousins, a.k.a. Mountain <laughs> Chug. <laughs> aka howdy chuggy uh aka yeah there was another good one chuggy and the blowfish uh oh, and, <laughs> and and that is all courtesy of chuggy hauser comes from the girl with the kaiju tattoo uh, then christy yama <laughs> christy yamaguchi main oh and the southwest some also contributed kicked in some uh well hey oh yeah southwest song my bad mm. miles i'm yes. thrilled to be joined by you today thank you okay uh, i'm thrilled to be joined show. as always by my co-host <laughs> mr miles gray come to decide that the food that i tried was in my life just to get by on then i sit alone picking at chicken bones but i need more <laughs> than some wings this time Step from my house to the lift cause I'm high You know I'm about to get my pie on Doesn't last long, eat till the pizza gone All my life for just one slice Hey bro, CPK's the wave, yo Okay That was beautiful You know, Christy Yamaguchi, man, RHCPK the, the, the trend continues, so shout out to that I feel like Anthony Snow. Kiedis just fucking inhabited your uh, carnal Don't form. Decide to whom that I, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's fun to get in that Kiedis mode. Yeah, I was yeah. just thinking of, a, I don't even fuck with Harry Potter, but like I was thinking, in an alley that's diagone. <laughs> I'm just thinking like if there's a yeah. Harry Potter. That's but the, I keep saying that this morning. But anyway, shout out to you. Red Hot Chili Will. Peppers can really get in your... Uh, get inside of you really again uh, it's because it, it's because it's not it's it's not technically like you're not surging you're not gonna sing like a surge vocal run from a uh, system of a down like that takes chops to right. do ketis like that's for anybody any yeah. drunk motherfucker sublime too that's like california rock has this thing where it's like the thing that is so catchy about them is literally anyone can lead with them. vibes lead with vibes yes. lead not with talent. the vibe <laughs> Uh, well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat yeah. by the brilliant, the talented, the legendary, Ooh. Amen Ismail! Yo, welcome, what's welcome. up, people? What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? Legendary Dan. Legendary, that, bro. This is, I mean, you are the first, uh, you are the first uh, guest that we've had who will admit that they were at the uh, riots on, uh, on January 6th. The <laughs> I, I, mean, I keep we... thinking about how sick it would be if they came for me. I mean, just the headlines. That would be so good for my Twitter profile. Right. They're like, yo, is there, I'm a report. What are you talking about with journalists? They're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. right, bro. That would, that would for sure land me a spot on Joe Rogan's podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. I'll be like, it's it's because I was Muslim. They did that to me. (laughs) And he's like smoking weed. He's like, yeah, Yeah. that's fucked up. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) it's like, oh, thanks, Joe. What? uh, How are you? Like, where do you reside normally? I live in Newark, New Jersey, Brick City. Okay, the home of Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, Yeah. and my man, fucking, uh, as I like to say, my first uh, fake ID was uh, Red Man's birth name, Mm -hmm. Reggie Noble. So Yo, uh, wow. big, <laughs> highest respects to Brick City. But so when you went down to the Capitol, like you were just like, I'm I need to see what is going like. I need to go see what's going to. No, happen. I thought it was like my last chance to catch a Trump rally. You know, this was supposed to be his last ditch effort before the vote was certified, before right. it was official that Biden had won. Everybody had to shut up and just handle it. So I thought, OK, this is my last opportunity to go and and kind of get some closure, talk to some Trump supporters who Ooh. were there. As Trump supporters, otherwise I would have had to go to like NRA rallies or right. you know uh, anything else. So I was just excited to go and catch like the cosplayers one last time. Right. Yeah. And then they, then the and then, uh, then they then they the went for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm, uh, I mean, I still think about that day a lot because of how naive I was to not see it coming. But at the same time, I guess I just knew that something was about to go down. Right, uh, I still it. think about it a lot, now. and I wasn't there, man. I think a lot of people do. That's wild that you were there. That's like a D-Day of the culture wars. Uh, all right, man, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about. 
uh, we're going to talk about the uh, actual, we talked about like ideological similarities with the right, the mainstream in America, basically, and uh, uh, the coverage of Israel. But uh, we're going to talk about just more connections there and even like the weaponry pipeline, mm. mm-hmm. that connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we're literally, we're getting th- the same tactics used on us over here. Yeah, yeah just, exactly. Just so yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they train our cops. Yeah. We'll talk about bipartisanship. Where'd it go, you guys? Come on. Where'd that I ship mean, go? D- do you miss it? <laughs> nah, I mean, it's all bullshit for the sake of it. It doesn't talk now. Like it's some virtue and shit. Come on, guys. Where'd it go? Huh? I remember a time when Newt Gingrich and I could just sit down and have a meal together. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about uh, the even dumber version of Mad Max. Like, Mad Max is not like a, a version of the future that is particularly known for uh, its erudition, but uh, we are we are kind of descending into an even dumber version of Mad Max, so we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about Buttfucker 3000. Uh, no context needed. Uh, all of that, plenty more. But first, Eamon, we like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are, or where you okay. are, what you're up Okay, let me Let me pop open my Google right now, and I'll, I'll be do it. blunt. I'll be, be real. I love okay, it. Okay, the last thing the last thing I searched was Gigi Hadid Israeli. Mm. <laughs> the Hadid yeah. has been fucking dunking with their infographics right it, it's now. It's because on the Daily Mail they had like a picture of like Gaza blowing up and, and they said the, the Hadid sisters are attacking Israel. And I was like, oh my God, they're like they're out there. <laughs> they're doing wow. the work. Holy I was shit. like, I need to know more. Yeah. Oh, wow. Damn. Yeah. yeah, they were in the streets like that. That's, that's Daily Mail, cool. I guess, had it a little wrong. They they weren't so accurate. <laughs> they that. didn't. They didn't actually set different those kind bombs. of agenda with that headline for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I needed to know more. <laughs> right, and it was it just merely because they were like pointing to the fact that they were posting information about what was happening, like on their social media. Is, is I, I think they, they were, were just announcing to the world that they were half Palestinian, and so they're taking it personally. Like these are mm. two Palestinian women. Are they? Right. I think they're half Dutch, half Palestinian. Yeah, and they're yeah, just saying, right. we empathize with the people who are being killed on the ground, the Palestinians. And Daily Mail was like, oh, is that, is that yeah. anti-Semitism? Uh, I the feel like trigger for anti-Semitism right now yeah. is really mm-hmm. on, on the highest it's ever been. Mm. <laughs> just to completely misconstrue something like what's happening and be like, oh, no, 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 come on, come on, come on, come on. Don't talk spicy Ugh. now. That could, that you might be getting into anti-Semitic territory. It's like, no. Can stand not in solidarity that, <laughs> these people against Zionism and still be uh, not anti-Semitic. Yeah. I was just scrolling on Twitter nonstop, so I don't even—I don't think to think I'm reading news anymore. I'm just looking at headlines like everybody else, doom scrolling. Yeah. I was up until three o'clock last night, just mm. looking and refreshing and trying to get a sense for what the fuck is happening in the world. And the more yeah. I'm on it, the less I—I I know. Yeah, it's right. crazy. Yeah, and it just—and it unfortunately, it's like yeah, it feeds into already just all the shit that we're experiencing too and can yeah become a, even a more of a tremendous way so yeah oof mm. uh, what is Diving something right yeah mm-hmm. what is something you think is overrated twitter <laughs> okay <laughs> i mean we're on it how many users actually are even on twitter like when we think about the like the discourse of what ha- what's happening on america and what people are talking about usually i would think about like what People are talking about it on Twitter and what's trending or whatever, mm-hmm. but there's so few users when thinking about how many Americans there are, let alone how many people in the world there are. So it almost feels like there's this this playpen in the middle of the playground where people are just being mean to each other. And sometimes, I'm I mean I might be speaking for myself here, but I might be thinking, okay, well now we need to like work on this and figure this out instead of just letting people be angry and vent the shit out of each other. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> social media, so I would say right? it's overrated, and 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 I'm somebody who's like refreshing, trying to get my follower counter up. I'm trying to get the numbers <laughs> up. I'll be honest, and and it's not like uh, you know, and, and I think it, it I could trace it back to the moment where I had a photography job. I was like shooting something from Microsoft at Art Basel in Miami, and the, the I guess the person in charge was like, "Hey, how many followers do you have?" And I was like, "Hmm, let me check. I don't know, twelve, and it ended up being like six. And he was like, okay, okay. And then he, they replaced me. They got some other photographer who was worse, just had more followers. Oh, shit. So wow. after that point, I'm like, I can't let this happen again. I got to get, I got to get, get the followers clout up. up, bro. 
that's even like worse than like a college degree. You know what I mean? Where it's like, <laughs> right. oh, you ain't got a college degree. Well, sorry, you can't get this job. And now it's like, wait, oh, you can't get this work because your followers aren't right. Come right. the fuck on. What the fuck is that even? What does that have like, to do with your ability? I know. And as a journalist, it almost feels like you get into this because you want to tell the truth and you want right. to you want to get your perspective out there. And then you end up having to like fight for followers and play this clout game so that you can actually get your work seen. Because a lot of people won't even look at you, look at your right. work unless you have the right amount of followers. Right. Yeah. It's, a, it's pretty stupid. Does that like affect, you know, because we talk about how much you know, the format of ad revenue on, you know, media sites, especially news, like how clickbait and getting clicks can be like a certain like publications North Star essentially on how to like create more numbers, more traffic, more engagement to the site. Do you like from your perspective, do, do you think sometimes that does have an effect like on the journalists themselves? I know it's one thing for maybe the editors to be like, okay, we, we, we got to start talking like mm -hmm. this or whatever. We want more headlines like this. But like you're saying, too, because Twitter and follower counts are such a big deal like that, that's also having this other effect on the work that people do. Mm, that's a good question. Yeah, I'm glad you made the distinction between editors and journalists. It's hard to say for me that your work is affected by what's popular because a lot of journalists are just chasing their heart and they'll do like the easy stuff on the side so that they can, sure. in a way, subsidize the bigger pieces that they want to do. A lot of journalists have quotas where they need to put out a certain number of pieces. Uh, but, you know, there's this new system emerging and I'm starting to see more and more outlets stick to where instead of looking at the number of pieces you put out, they're looking at the traffic you generate for the website. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and they're using that metric based on how much they can sell an ad for on the real estate on the site. Right. So they take those numbers and they use that to sell ads against. So that's what's making the money. So. You know, for someone like me, where I have like a certain number I have to hit, I can put out the easy ones that I think are just going to, you know, like I could do one on COVID, which right. is like guaranteed to get a certain number. But then I have like the other side ones where I can spend, you know, like a month on on the side because it means a lot to me. But that won't get mm -hmm. the traffic, but I'll be proud of it. You know, I just put out this piece right. a couple of days ago, actually, about the pollution in my neighborhood and environmental justice. So I'm from Newark, New Jersey. It's one of the most toxic places in America. We have like four Superfund sites, like within a like a three mile radius of where I live. Uh, Superfund sites are spots that are too toxic to build on. So they just bury huge amounts of carcinogens mm -hmm. under the ground and they just leave it like that. So I wrote a piece about like the pollution and I know that people are tired of it. You know, nobody's going to really want to like spend a lot of time on this piece because it's depressing as hell. And I right. get that, but I'm happy to put that out. And that makes me feel like I did, I did a good job this month as a journalist. But at the right. same time, I'm also going to run a piece about this uh, doctor who's going to bars and trying to convince people to to get a vaccine shot for a free pint of beer. You know, right, and, right. And I think that's like pretty clicky. So I, I could do both. It's cool. Right. Yeah. Your thought but piece it, on right. Buttfucker 3000 uh, mm. was pretty cool. I thought. <laughs> just, <laughs> people, people just don't. Yeah. That story again is about a, someone who doesn't. These digital court hearings are right. a mess. Uh, I don't know why they think we talked about the other with the group of the Jan Six people who like their homies like zoom bombed the fucking hearing. Yeah. Like, He's innocent. Like, yeah. shit like that. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been on the. That. <laughs> yeah, me too. No, we were talking uh, about the two like you do it. If 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 there's a way for the homies to crash your court hearing, <laughs> that's on the that's on whoever organized yeah. that shit. Yeah. Use uh, a VPN, bro. <laughs> they, they can't find you. Go to a library or some shit. Right. <laughs> Oh man! I was just gonna say, as somebody on the editorial side, like you definitely know uh, who's like been on a couple of different like editorial and like pitch reviewing boards. You definitely see people who just pitch to whatever they see succeeding, whatever they see getting published, whatever they see getting like likes, and then it just becomes this funnel. I mean, it's similar to Twitter, right? It's mm -hmm. like you know. Anything that is that reward based, like that's going to uh, inevitably like kind of start funneling into sort of a self-fulfilling type of a, you right. know, these like little funnels of information of like what people want to hear. And I mean, like I, I used to be a little bit more positive about how the Internet and social media and things like that were changing it so that there wasn't just this 
this board of like all knowing people who were the keepers of what got published like in a magazine or in a newspaper. I think we kind of have to go back to that. We we just mm-hmm. they don't all have to be white guys in their 40s and 50s. I think if we can address that, but like still have people who are just focused on what their duty is as as a media outlet as opposed to what is hitting right now like you're going to but that that assumes we have a future where uh there is still media like that hasn't been taken over by Facebook so got a couple problems to solve there i guess <laughs> yeah let's get Tamika Mallory on that board or Nicole yeah. Hannah Jones yeah yeah curious to see what that would look like what is uh what's something you think is underrated plants i love plants man i think plants I have so many, so many plants and I want more. And there's something I think on this topic, it's, there's something really powerful about having to wait for something, you know, especially on Twitter where everything is about the immediate likes you're pulling down and refreshing like a freaking slot machine and everything's just, you get everything right away. Uh, So I think there's something really powerful in slowly watering a plant, taking care of it, checking, checking the soil, making sure it's not dry and waiting for a month for that first sprout and then propagating, taking the leaves and, and soaking them in water so that they can sprout new roots. There's like something incredibly meditative about waiting, you know? So oh, I, yeah. I think <sighs> plants change my life. It was because of COVID, man, because COVID. I, I had to stay home like everybody else and it drove me crazy. And I felt like I needed something to pull me away from the screens because I was going from tiny screen to medium screen to, to big, big screen, screen to right, medium to screen right. to small screen just right. on loop. So I needed yeah. to I needed like an activity in my in my city environment where there's really not a lot of space. So I needed something to do. And uh I joined like this plant club where they gave you a bunch of free plants. And that like mm. really it hit me, man. It was it hit me right in, in like three seconds. I sat down, I, I was just staring at it. Like the little seed and, the, and waiting for it to pop out. And I was like, this is dope. Yeah, I want right. to do this all day. <laughs> Just yeah. staring at dirt. Propagating. Like, yeah, I got notes. I got notes on this plant. It's taken way too long. Uh, we need a little bit more action <laughs> up front. Uh, maybe just a little tease. Just give me a little bit up front. And <laughs> Where then are the I'll, LED like, lights on this around. plant? Right. <laughs> I don't know. Where's the smoke machine? I don't like this one. But yeah, I was uh, we uh, we propagate in my crib because mm-hmm. it's the second uh, like my mom she loves succulents and stuff, and so when she first put us on to like no just lob it off and get that thing going, mm-hmm. and then you can keep exponentially multiplying, and now we're like kind of addicted to it. Yeah. Like we got so many clippings soaking in water that like at a certain point I'm like, what are we gonna do with all these? But it is nice to like even the process. Yeah, there is some meditative aspect to it mm-hmm. because there is feedback. Like it's a, it's not a process devoid of feedback, but it takes time. And I think being able to sit within those like intervals without the feedback is, mm-hmm. you know, where the Zen comes in. Dude, I put it. I put a couple leaves in some some cups, some glass cups, so I can wash the roots. And uh, wifey, it was like her favorite cup, so she took it and put it in like this plastic uh, cup that you can't see through. And I flipped out. I was like, what are you doing? I need to see the roots. I need to see the roots. I have to see what's going on. I need the feedback. So I'm still addicted, but uh, yeah, I'm working on it. The best is when you see a leaf coming out and you're like, oh, this motherfucker about to unfurl on us. Oh, man. Oh, like, yeah. Go on. Go on then. That just hit me in the your brain. fucking leaf wings now. I just got a shot of dopamine when you said that. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because, yeah, my partner should be like, yo, 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 yo. I think it's going to happen either today or tomorrow. And you're like, oh, as you can see, it's busting. It's trying to bust open. Oh, come on now. Leave. Do your thing. That was the, the horniest description of plant life that I've ever heard. I'm not going to lie. We have a bird it's of paradise. Bust all over I'm the place. Exact, it's, look, it's, it is a little erotic because we had right. a bird of paradise where the, you know, like the, when the flowers come out, they undulate with all this fucking energy <laughs> and color changes. And stuff. You know what I mean? And you're like, yeah. oh, this thing. Because it has to, you know, it Miles is it getting flowers. gross, it man. Blossoms. This is, this is, you know what yeah. I mean? I'm making my <laughs> next court appearance, Undulate 3000. Und- yeah, Undulator 3000. <laughs> what was that song by that, like, kind of electronic? Oh, Tessellate. That's what it was, not mm. undulate. undulate. <laughs> but it was like, all right, that was a weird way to describe sex. But <laughs> yeah, I, I really like the point about 
time, like mixing up the things you're interacting with, the living things you're interacting with, and like the timeline they're on, like mm-hmm. that they that that just like slows you down a little bit. Like, and if you have a relationship with something that moves at the pace of like days as opposed to you know seconds, mm-hmm. uh, that's cool. That's cool. I hadn't really thought about it that way. You get some plans, man. Yeah, I should. Uh, yeah, fortunately, uh, we've, we've been saying that for a long time, Amen. You know, yeah. Well, there's the court really. I've been order. saying, hey, let me grow weed in your garage. You're not using it. Yeah. Uh, Benny keeps <laughs> right. saying no, but you know, whatever. The point remains. You know, you should get you should get into plans. The electric company is starting to pay attention, Miles. I just I say. said I'll bring Jenny's, <laughs> and I got the carbon filter, so your neighbors won't even know it smells. And I'll insulate the roof of your garage, so if the cops come through looking for the heat. You know, mm-hmm. Mark keeps knocking down overhead. the power. They're not going to know. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. And, you know, we're, we're continuing to aim. And as you were saying, you know, mo- monitor doom scroll uh, about what's happening in Gaza and, Miles, you were you were pointing out this one specific headline that jumped out at you, uh, brought you back to the days of Ferguson. I'm because <laughs> just watching this shit, right? Yeah, you start to just see the language and the tools of oppressors, and how they're deployed, and how identical the strategies are. Like I've always, I've never for a second been like, oh man, like I wonder what's what, what's really the deal with Israel and Palestine. I've had a pretty clear understanding from the beginning, but. I've over the the last few days, it really came into focus just how identical nearly people's situations are in terms of seeking freedom, liberation, equity, justice, and what the responses are and what the strategies are for oppressors to sort of keep these marginalized groups where they are and to keep people ignorant. And, you know, for example, like the media doing the same thing. You got people like the New York Times or other, you know, most mainstream media in the in the West is not going to say illegal occupation or right. ethnic cleansing, right. much in the same way they were not going to say systemic white supremacy or violent police uh, to obscure what was happening in this country. You have leaders like Joe Biden t- who are going to equate rock throwing to like leveling residential blocks and yep. say, oh man, shame on the shame on the Palestinians. I got no smoke for the Israelis. What, for real? Yeah, For real? not even okay. equate, like say that the rock throwing is the is the worst. And ex- exactly why, you know, in the build up to the primaries and things, I'm like, no, this is not a leader who's because, you knew you know what time it is with Joe Biden. He's never going to say something negative against Israel. That's, that's not going to happen. But that's also why that's a president who is not really interested in the liberation of oppressed people either. In fact, he's on the side of the oppressors. You got Netanyahu doing the same shit that even Fox News does, which is show old dated footage of some shit that happened a few years ago and be like, can you believe what's going on? It's like you're showing a two year old clip, just like when they were when they were, like Fox News is showing clips of Ferguson and saying that's what's happening in 2020. And it's just all of this thing. You, you see children are taught that the history of Palestine in, in Israel is just so complex. You mm. know, it's like, let's not really even get into it. It's so complex. That's... Much in the same way you have children in this country being like, they think the Civil War was over commerce and trade. Yeah. It being so complex, it being like an intractable like problem with no solution. That is that was the main message that I got throughout my life about Israel and Palestine. It's a cop out. It's just a yeah, cop out. It's a cop it's out. A cop out. It's, or, the same or that way it's like that, an like, ancient battle. It's not ancient. It's 40 years right. old. Right. And, and yes, just, while there are some complexities, you look at what's happening right now and the forces that are at play now, and it's not that complex. It's no. not really. I mean, you're looking at they are slowly trying to kill these people very systematically. It's just all there for everyone to see. But it's because we have a media apparatus that goes, no, nah, I don't think I don't think so. And you have leaders be like, no, 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 they're, they're, they're firing rockets and stuff. So I think, you know, that's that's a bad look for them. Mm-hmm. It's really it's awful. And it, it turns these moments and turns our history into these nebulous, amorphous topics that can never have a reckoning because they're too complex to talk about. And then so this is what I was talking about this next thing. So then I was watching the footage, right, because the violence that's happening in Israel now you have Palestinians who are taking to the streets to protest because, yes, they're they're advocating for themselves and their people. And they're being met with these pacification weapons that I'm like, oh, this shit looks a lot like the U.S. Look at that thing spraying the water on everyone. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, wait, 
then I'm reading about it. It's called the skunk. Skunk. And it's, 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 it's meant there to, to spray this like odorous water liquid that you can't wash off your skin. It'll stick to your hair, the walls. They will just blast whole towns for daring to protest like a punitive measures be like, okay, well then we're going to make it smell like shit. Mm -hmm. And on top of it, the way to get the stink off is with a soap that police have exclusive access to. Mm. So this is what we're talking. Then I remember this headline from 2015. After Ferguson unrest, St. Louis police bought stink weapons to launch at protesters. This is made by a company called Odor Tech, which is an Israeli company. Mm. And I'm like, that's right. Because many activists know there's the pipeline of pacification tactics, police brutality, or whatever these technologies are. It's it's we pass them back and forth. The Israelis perfect this shit on the Palestinians, and then they come to the like, hey, this shit works. And and what they say is it's been field tested. Yeah. Meaning mm -hmm. it's been deployed against human beings in mm -hmm. Gaza or Palestinians, whoever. And then we buy them. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, we're it's the, we're the we're on this. We're fighting the same fucking people. Now, maybe the ways we got here are very different, but they're the way they look at us, the way they use the media to dehumanize, whether it's black people being dehumanized through media for decades or uh, Arabs being dehumanized through film and media for decades. It's mm -hmm. like all the same shit. And I just. It just crushed me again to just look at it all like that. And I'm like, fuck. It's so true, though. And it's the crazier part for me is that, you know, we're all religious people, right? We're, we're supposed to have read these texts and learned these lessons, right? And mm -hmm. if you read the Bible or the Torah or the Quran, God is never on the side of the oppressor. In fact, a lot of these are basically instructions on how to resist oppression and fight fascism, right? Yeah. Jesus was a socialist, right? right. And, and so the, these kinds of conflicts are ancient, right? The one, like, we've been kind of fighting as humans against the oppressor for as long as they've been humans. And, you know, that's, that's really interesting that you brought that to Ferguson because I was, I was there as a journalist and I saw a lot of people waving Palestinian flags or wearing mm -hmm. the, the Palestinian kufayas, the scarves, the, the black and white pattern scarves. And this is something you see at any like uprising in America and any of mm -hmm. these like revolutionary stuff. And so what I think is really interesting is thinking of the Palestinian Israeli conflict, thinking about that conflict, but also looking at the lessons from like Jesus Christ and like what Jesus would have done if he was there or looking at Muhammad, the, the Islamic prophet and like what he would have done if he was there or even thinking about like Malcolm X or Martin Luther King or Gandhi. You know, we have all of these examples that we want to uphold and, and think of and, and, and idolize and create statues for, but we don't think yeah. of what they would do in these contexts. We still mm -hmm. see so many people who are religious taking the side of the oppressor. And, and there's this really fantastic quote from, uh, from Malcolm X that, that I always see floating around. Uh, if you're not careful, the newspapers will have you hating the people who are being oppressed and loving the people who are doing the oppressing. And I think mm -hmm. that is incredibly valuable in a time like this where we do live in a society where we aren't just neutral in america we are participating in the oppression of the palestinians and so we need to be very careful very careful about what we're reading what people around us are reading so we don't fall into the trappings you know not falling for the lie that this is an equal fight this is just a conflict and that throwing right. stones is the same as leveling you know a civilian residential building yeah. People fan, fanboy out about uh, or fangirl out about Hunger Games. Like they'll they'll watch the Hunger Games and then go out and root for the capital. Like the, I feel like that's <laughs> right. America. That's good, but that's, that's but that's like the genius of that media too. You know what I mean? It completely fucks up your perception of what it is and where your place is in it. And it's and it's touching too because you know there were mural. There was there was George Floyd iconography in Gaza. Yeah, you know, like because like, to your point. There, there is a level of solidarity that we see with each other's struggles, but I, you'd hope that again, like th this is what this becomes really funny because you have all these brands, right? That were so in on this shit in the summer. They're like, mm. yeah, I mean, the fucking racial injustice is so, God. <laughs> and mm. fucking crickets right now. Yeah. Mm. When you're watching some shit like this go down and yeah. not to say like, well, this has nothing to do with the United States. It does. We're giving them how many billions of dollars every year? 3.8 billion. Absolutely does. Yeah. And what, I'm sorry, we're giving them $3.8 billion, but then we're over here being like, oh man, we're going to means test your fucking welfare checks because, you know, 
we're not we're not really in the business of like helping people if you if you found out we're actually it's more it's more financially suitable for us to be in the oppression game which makes sense because there's a lot of money to be made there you know and i think that's what hurt so badly about seeing andrew yang saying that he was taking the side of the israelis on twitter because mm. mm. you know as a as a minority in america as a hyphenated american i right. expect other hyphenated americans to understand that, that we right. are all in the same fight and that when we fight for each other's freedom, we're fighting for our own freedom. And, yeah. you know, uh, that's why you saw so many non-Asians post about like stopping Asian hate and showing up to their rallies because we know that our fates are intertwined. And so to mm -hmm. see Andrew Yang saying that he, he's, he's in solidarity with the Israelis, it was, it was painful. It hurt m way more than seeing like Ted Cruz or, or Ben Shapiro taking that side because you, you expect that out of them. They don't understand. And they're unwilling to understand, but somebody who is supposed to have just, just like you said, been fighting and making noise about the oppression of a black body people, you expect them to understand mm -hmm. that this is the same battle. It's disappointing. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, unfortunately the, the, the political dimensions of that is what's factoring into people's calculus on where to extend their empathy rather than just being, playing it like a human and seeing, oh, this isn't. Yeah, yeah, like just just seeing it for what it is. I'm like, no, I, I can't. The dudes and with all the heavy mech gear and shit, uh, I'm aside with them. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -mm. And, and you know, uh, somebody was was trying to make the point that we expect like the Arab governments uh, to to make the most noise about this, and but they've been like totally silent, and in a lot of cases, taking the side of Israel. And you know, they're. In a lot of ways, it makes sense for that because these are oppressive regimes, dictatorships, presidents for life who are, you know, constantly trying to pacify their own communities and their own countries. And so as an Arab, I don't expect Saudi Arabia, of all people, who are one of the most oppressive regimes on the planet to take right. that, that position because they, they won't understand. They don't know yeah. what it's like to be. Uh, fighting for your survival in the same way that the Palestinians are today. But what I do find really interesting is that the, the country uh, whose leaders are making the most noise right now is Ireland, you know? And, and that makes right. perfect sense because of what they've been yeah. through to get their own right to self-govern uh, from the English. So, yeah, it's so obvious to me that it's all the same fight, but I'm I'm really happy to see that most people are starting to realize that. It yeah. also starts to make sense of the U.S. foreign policy of upholding these dictators, always having a dictator in place in, in these countries. Like if there's a democratic uprising, they'll they'll put it down, uh, even though they're supposed to be pro democracy. They'll put that down in favor of, you know, an authoritarian because essentially like that's. That's who they need to to be on their side is just the people in power. And it needs to be people who are completely insulated from from the concerns of people, it, you know, of the actual people of their country and just be, you know, all about uh, oppressors and, and the struggle of the oppressor as opposed to the yeah. struggle of the people who they're even, oppressing. I mean, even like the things that you hear about like Zionism and manifest destiny, right? This idea that it's like, nah, this is our shit, honestly. And if like people are in the way, like then <laughs> sorry, you know, mm -hmm. like the way Barry Weiss was talking about trying to somehow acknowledge that children were dying, but then use the rationalization that, well, this is part of the actualization of like the, the dream of Zionism becoming a reality that that's a byproduct of that. And you just look at our own history in this country too, the amount of indigenous people that were just completely, there's a genocide. We're kicking people off of their land and making way for these other people to come in because yeah, you know, God told us this is our shit now. Yeah. Mm. Move. She, she called it unavoidable. The death of children was unavoidable yeah. in the oh, mission of Zionism. Totally. And so, so it's amazing hard. that she doesn't take the next step and go, well, that's, that makes Zionism incompatible with civilization then you know right or what right. religion says hey the death of children is inevitable y'all right. for us to get our to get get the bag like no those things don't work together right do you think there is some like lie that's like they they've told themselves or do you think they're just ultimately like no i'm i deserve to exist and people 
who I'm who are of my ethnicity deserve to exist and other people don't? Or do you think there's like some way that they've like, I'm always curious about that. Like someone like Bari Weiss, like, is she, does she know that she's straight up treating people like they don't deserve to exist because of their race and religion? Yeah, there's a couple lies. There's there's a there's a lot of lies actually, but I think there's a few that stand out to me as maybe the most significant. Uh, the first one I would say is that Palestinian children are taught at a young age to hate Jewish people. You know, I don't think anyone <laughs> thinks that, that it's necessary for Palestinian children to be to learn to hate the IDF by anyone other than the IDF. You know, right. uh, you can't expect kids who are growing up in actual modern day ghettos. Gaza is often called the largest open air prison. You don't expect right. kids who are growing up in that prison to love the prison guards, you know? Uh, and so right. I think there's this, um, this lie that someone like Barry would tell herself like, well, if only those kids' parents would stop teaching them to hate Israelis, that they would come around and the violence would stop. It's like, no, that she, she won't admit to herself that the violence now is a result of Israeli conquest, you know? Um, mm -hmm. the, another lie that I think plays a really huge role here is that there is, uh, that this is like in a continuation of a 4,000 year old story, right? That this is somehow, if you look at what happened to the Jewish populations 4,000 years ago, that you understand why they're, they're so violent right now, because they see the violence right now as justified because of what their ancestors have been going through. And you're right, you know, if you, if you look at it from 4,000 years ago and you look at how Israeli uh, Jewish people have been nonstop, like oppressed everywhere that they go, sure, like you can understand why they're so desperate for their own state. Uh, but at the same time, like who are you carrying the violence out against? Because the people right. who are they carrying, the people who are dying right now are not your oppressors. They right. can't be your oppressors yeah. because they, they don't have any means to oppress you. The third, the third lie I think is really important. This idea that if Palestinians put down their arms, there would be peace. But if the Israelis put down their arms, there would be no more Israel. Uh, this is a justification for the, the two-state solution and that uh, Palestinians and Israelis at a fundamental level are incompatible and could never live in peace because of uh, the ways that Palestinians are anti-Semitic. That's the lie. Right. The truth is, before the creation of Israel, there were Jewish Arabs living all across the Arab world, all right? And um, there's also the, the idea that if, like, Palestinians don't, didn't use their arms, that there would be peace. I think Sheikh Jarrah, the, the neighborhood where the evictions were happening and that sort of, like, sparked this last round of violence, uh, is, you know, uh, very significant in the fact that they've been experimenting with non-violent resistance. And that they have been trying to go to the courts and prove that the, the homes that they live in have been longtime residencies for generations. But the documents that they have are invalid in the Israeli courts because the Israeli courts have made them invalid. Right. And, and they have like these nonviolent protests where they chain themselves to their buildings. They try and like organize and they have both Jewish Israelis and Arab Israelis come together to to try and resist the bulldozers who are coming in to clear these homes, to make ways for settlements. And they don't work. <laughs> they don't work. These people are still being ethnically cleansed. So if the nonviolence resistance doesn't work, how can you justify saying that if only they stop the violence, we could have peace? Because, right. you know, there are Palestinians who have stopped the violence in the West Bank and they don't have peace. In fact, they're, they're losing ground and they are the ones who are facing an existential threat. If the trends continue, if the settlements continue to get built, there will not be any more West Bank. East Jerusalem will not will no longer have its ancient, like Arab Muslim character. So right. it's in, it's insane. It's insane that they would believe that if only they would experiment with nonviolence. Well, look at Sheikh Jarrah. Yeah, right. proof proof that yeah. it doesn't that doesn't work. Again, that's why I'm like it's the same thing marginalized people especially black people go through in this country too which is essentially this idea that there's no acknowledgement that the status quo as it is is the violence to begin with too it's just more like well what see they're on the streets if they just didn't do that or if they just stopped resisting no 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 you're failing to acknowledge the environment that that has been created 
because of this systemic oppression. And if you can't acknowledge that, then it's a disingenuous conversation about how to get to an endpoint. If you can't even see that this environment is violence itself. Facts. And yeah, you just hope that that's this is can reach a tipping point. I mean, you know, used to be like five years ago, if you had something to say about Israel, like the, you you were just panned categorically. Fire. Yeah. And now it seems more and more. I think people as they educate themselves mm-hmm. or just see things for as they are. And I think probably get in touch with the. All the, all the different forms of oppression people experience are saying, oh, yeah, this is not good. Yeah. Yeah. Things things do feel different this time, don't they? I mean, we had yeah. CNN interviewing uh, Palestinians in Palestine, getting their perspective. Right. And that's something I've never seen before. Right. We, yeah. we yeah. usually get like the Israeli ambassador or uh, an Israeli PR rep to argue right. the targeting points. And that's it. We, we never hear yeah. from. Uh, like a Sheikh Jarrah resident and CNN right. had him on for like 10 minutes. And I and I do think to prove what you're saying uh, about these this all being the same fight, I think this is a result of the work that Black Lives Matter activists have been putting in all summer and last summer. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah. you know, it's become undeniable from a marketing standpoint that if you are in the news business and you aren't talking about these perspectives, you aren't reputable anymore. And I think that's yeah. something that's changed. Uh, in the past couple of years. And, and that's why I think right. uh, outlets like MSNBC or CNN, who have never talked to these people, are starting to. It's amazing. Right. And yeah, you have like people like Eamon Mohildeen, who's like also actually during the time he has the news desk, he's like, I'm going to spit it from the Palestinian side, mm-hmm. y'all, just so you know. Mehdi Hassan is also doing that. So yeah. it's interesting that these people have been elevated into the mainstream media and now are actually being like, I'll talk some real shit for a second. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and they're keeping their jobs. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and but it's incremental. But yeah, I think like we're saying, like we're I think a lot of people now are as they get more aware of what history is and what oppression is. It's harder to just do these like really disingenuous pivots and and like, you know, manipulative news coverage to completely obscure what's happening. Yeah, we're not out of the woods yet, but it's it's changing no. now for sure. Yeah, I think we're, I mean, I don't know if it was on mic, but we were talking about Colbert earlier, talking about how progressive Biden is as he's like putting out all this fucking pro-Israeli bullshit. Like, I I think the mainstream is still way behind, but it does seem like, you know, hopefully Mm -hmm. we're moving in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm curious to see, when's Nike going to come out Mm. with their ad? With the Palestinian (laughs) kicks. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like that's and and not just the Habibi SB's dunks that came out. Mm. You know what I mean? Like something real. And I think that's that'll be a real turning point is when like like brands enter this conversation. Because it was one thing for them to be quiet on like the BLM stuff. But I'm curious if that if we'll see the crossing of that Rubicon. I think I think that might be on the horizon because, you know, uh, Lionel Messi and. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, two of the biggest right. soccer stars, are very pro-Palestine, you know? Right. And there was this FIFA event planned where Barcelona FC was was supposed to play a game in Israel proper. And uh, Messi came out and was like, I'm not doing that. Because as, right. as a way to raise awareness to the fact that Israel, in a certain point, basically shot Palestinian soccer players in the legs so that they can never participate in sports again. And if you're listening and that sounds unbelievable, Google it. It happened. They, they, these soccer mm-hmm. players were shot in the legs and in the feet so that they can never play sports again. And how could you support a universal expression of sport like soccer, which is like the religion in most countries in the world, and yeah. at the same time create space to play soccer in a place where they will shoot you in the legs if you aren't the right ethnicity or the right religion? Right. Yeah. And I mean, it definitely helps when you have legends like like Maradona. I remember he was he famous. He was like, in my heart, I'm a Palestinian. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and you have people like that, too. Like it it, it helps soccer players for, you know, athletes kind of get on the right page. But yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely it's glacial. It's like everything. But it's it's interesting to see sort of like the traditional smoke screens be less yeah. effective than they normally are. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting that athletes, I mean, like the the shut up and dribble types like what want to shut them down extra hard because they're people who don't come up through the typical like vetting process of, you know, mainstream journalists and mainstream entertainers and uh, politicians. 
And so they are people who get this huge influence and their ideas haven't been vetted or even paid attention to by by like the powers that be, right? So they're sometimes the only influential voices that can get out there and say the thing that isn't approved by, uh, you know, the uh, the oppressors, basically. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, and I think the thing that's on all of our minds, bipartisanship, whatever happened to just, you know, Democrats and Republicans being able to reach across the aisle. I mean, that's what Jim Clyburn and Joe Manchin are asking right now. Yeah. I mean, look, Jim Clyburn, I, I, he's look, he's one of the most respected black members of Congress. You know, his you can't understate his influence as a member of Congress. I mean, Joe Biden needed him to win South Carolina during the prime. Like, I mean, this is this, yeah. this is what Jim Clyburn does. He's, he's an a, underrated, he, like, you know, he's huge force in like the past year. Like, shit, man, that is but, what that is the thing, the fulcrum that shifted. That was like the day that people were like, oh, shit. Maybe Biden is going to win this thing like was, that was a big South Carolina. That was huge. Yeah. And, you know, all this to say now he is speaking the language of the liberal that won't fight for what is needed and using this. Well, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good rhetoric to explain incremental reform, because right now, look, Biden wants to have his police reform bill on his desk by May 25th because George Floyd apparently was the only black man to be killed by police. So he felt that was like a significant day. And rather than actually saying, I want substantive reform rather than some kind of big, spectacular gesture on the anniversary of his killing, it's 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 turning this process into just like, well, fuck, how many Republicans can we get? And I just want to play this this soundbite from Jim Clyber because it's just it's really frustrating to hear from somebody who you think understands what the stakes are when it comes to police reform. Well, you know, I will never sacrifice good uh, on the altar of perfect. I just won't do that. Uh, I know what the perfect bill will, will be. We have proposed that. I want to see good legislation, and I know that sometimes you have to compromise. But let me say this. I have been saying from the beginning, we have well-trained police officers. We've got to do a better job of recruiting police officers okay bad apples bad apples got mm -hmm. it got it got it. it's bad apples it's not the whole fucking tree is bad but yeah. anyway jim a couple what, recruiting the way tweets. the thing they were talking about was qualified immunity because that's something the senate is stalling on they don't want the qualified immunity to be, to be abolished okay because that is a practice that protects police from being sued and if that's off the table what, then you're still giving the police carte blanche to do whatever the fuck they want. So how yep. is that going to do anything? So, again, this is another frustrating moment where you're saying, like, well, you know, Republicans are going to do this and we know it's not perfect, but we need the good bill. And that brings us to Joe Manchin, who, again, is now saying he doesn't know about this voting rights bill, if he can support it because he wants bipartisanship and he wants Republicans to offer amendments to get this over the line. Mm -hmm. You remember mm -hmm. the stimulus bill? They offered amendments and didn't fucking vote for the thing. They played your dumb asses. Right. So now you're going to let this shit happen with voting rights. I mean, Joe Manchin, not that I expect more from him, but again, this is why we need to blow up the filibuster if it's going to happen. But if we're talking in the strict, narrow context of the legislative process, they're fucking up so bad and they're completely ceding ground to a group of people who have no interest in furthering anything. If the Republicans had their voting rights bill, it would be that nobody could vote except them. Right. Right. All right, let's uh let's take a quick look at uh our stupid future. So, like I said, Mad, Mad Max. I think a lot of people think Mad Max is our future, but I think we need to take that just a couple clicks stupider because at least Mad Max, you know, future desert pirates know what to store gas in. Um they had to so there there was this hack that froze up a fuel pipeline that led to a gas shortage in the southeast of the United States. And because that became a story, there was a run on gas and like people were stocking up on gas and uh, to the point that gas stations ran out of gas. On Wednesday, I believe they started having to issue uh, warnings telling people not to pour gasoline into plastic bags. Mm. 
I, yeah. Like if that happened in in Mad Max, <laughs> like that, that, it would just you get would, the plastic bag. <laughs> like they would, they wouldn't do that. At least they know how like how gasoline works. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I then, get it. The, 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 that yeah. pipeline getting hacked is fucking freaky. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah, like yeah. the the shit really fucked up all that supply. But again, it's just like the worst part of like American consumer culture, which is like it's all fucking mine. Get the fuck away. Yeah, yeah. I need the fucking gas. It's like, okay, look, you know this country will ruin a fucking whole third of the earth to get some gas. Right. So well, I think you could relax that the gas. Well, I don't know if you've seen the history of this place. The gas will flow, but it's not. There's even a guy who like accidentally I think blit his blew up his car too. Oh, I'm sure he smoked a cigarette near it because his his whole fucking car was filled with gas cans. Yeah, he had a gas bindle stick over his shoulder. It was just <laughs> full of gasoline and bindle stick. It's just a fucking hefty bag on a broomstick. <laughs> I love how capitalist this whole thing is, man. I mean, right? These people are probably thinking, okay, the prices are about to soar. Let me get my hands on this valuable resource and sell right. some if I need to, or just like hoard. I'll it. just be moving weight, moving, <laughs> moving Ziploc bags of gas. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my god. You're like, what you need, man? What you need? Oh, like a like a quart. Oh, you need a quart. All right. Yo, so so uh, in Newark, we have this corner called Broaden Market, and this is like where all these people just like sell whatever is on their little trolley carts. And, and right. for like this whole past year after COVID, there's just people selling, you know, hand sanitizer in these Ziploc bags, like massive amounts of like hand sanitizer in Ziploc bags. And now I'm like wondering if I need some gas, if I could just go there and get some yeah. little plastic bag. <laughs> right. If they got it for you. Just at the oh, bus yeah. stop. Uh, I, I prefer my hand sanitizer to be artisan, artisanal. <laughs> Uh, handmade. batches handmade yeah, in homemade a, batches earth, yeah earthen clay pot <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean this is just like it's not just the climate change that's going to kill us i feel like there's going to be a lot of people you know you, you do see this in the post-apocalyptic movies that it's also our species inability to think critically in the face of mm. in this case discomfort and fear yeah so there's a second storyline that I feel like kind of ties in with this, and that is how we're trying to get people to vaccinate themselves from the global pandemic that yep, we're yep. still living through. We are... Um, Make it sexier for me. Mm, it yes, can't yes. just be that I'm going to be safe and inoculated from the virus. What else, though? <laughs> so, so there's the lottery, which I don't... I'm not I'm not mad at you. There, I think six people in Ohio uh, who got the vaccine. You don't even need to do an extra sign up thing. It's just one of the people who got vaccinated uh, is going to get their name is going to get pulled from a hat and they're going to get a million dollars. Wow. There's another state that's just paying you a hundred dollars. There's a county in uh, like if California. you just pay. They're like, all right, here's your here's your C note. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay, crazy. I'm moving. Yeah. And I'm I like, mean, yeah, California, not... Lodi uh, is giving people like $50 or maybe it's just $25. But the gas company is basically like, we'll give you a $25 credit if you just let us know. Um, my favorite, though, is uh, the Shake Shack Mayor de Blasio New York City agreement where they have teamed up mm -hmm. to make it so that you get free crinkled cut fries if... <laughs> You go to one of the participating ones. It's not all Shake Shacks in New York, <laughs> in Manhattan. Uh, and if you buy one of two sandwiches, which I oh, think is so, <laughs> which I think is just so perfect, uh, like right. the the just best version of Big D Democrats, like kind of means testing a thing, like being like, so uh, you have to prove that you were actually going to shop at Shake Shack mm -hmm. and uh, buy one of these two sandwiches, and if you can do that. And bring one of these two forms of uh, ID and proof that you got vaccinated. Uh, then we will give you a free small crinkle cut fries, baby. That's that's, that's three dollars, by the way. They're giving you three dollars. And like, I if if you told me that they were doing this just completely without any access to the vaccine, it's not like I'd be like, "Yo, everybody, go to the Shake Shack." Like, that's man, not a good deal, man. That's not, not a very good this. deal at all. I don't want the. This is so fucked up, though. You know what I mean? Like the idea that they're like, we're gonna give, we're gonna give people a million dollars to get vaccinated, but then like, what about the fucked up healthcare system? Right? <laughs> they just gonna toss out a million dollars like that? What about the people who are being crushed by their medical debt? 
Mm. Like, you know, it's just such a, it's so fucking bleak, man. Like the whole thing is just so many levels of like turning your blinders onto a situation and just merely doing like, all right, here's the carrot. Mm. Let's ignore the wasteland we're dangling it in. But if you had a class action lawsuit, like for Americans against the Trump administration's bungling of the COVID response, I feel like... Mm. You could get a million dollars for a lot of people, <laughs> like yeah. just legally, like if if there were was a just uh, judicial system, I guess. But I mean, like they, you know, th- those people deserve their million dollars. But so it's just that many, many more people deserve it. And it shouldn't just be the lottery version or some stupid person who's they're going to be rewarded for being a holdout. I mean, now I'm in my like boomer fucking student debt cancellation bag. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure like, well, I had to anybody, get the vaccine. Right? And I, I didn't do it no promise of a million dollars. I don't I'm think saying. they're just doing it to people who who sign up now. I don't think. Maybe. Or, Maybe. I'm, oh, okay. Like if if you have been, then you're eligible. I mean, either way, I think just right. this, it's so, it's weird that it's like we're using people's greed <laughs> to motivate them mm-hmm. to act collectively, <laughs> like in yeah, what's better yeah. for the great common good. It's just. It's America, baby. There was this doctor in New York who was just going table to table at a brewery asking them if they wanted to get a vaccine shot. And if they said yes, she would get them a free beer. I think that's hilarious. Like, did she have the vaccines in her bag? She had them on her. And she said, yo, come come over here. I'll give you a free beer. You can can get this free beer. And let me just uh, let me just poke you with this needle. Yeah, Damn. the manager's like, "Hey, what the fuck did I say? Get the fuck out of here!" Hey, she's not a doctor. She's not a fucking doctor. Everyone. She was like Don't the health her. commissioner, I think. Uh, that day, right? She, she said that she vaccinated over 150 people. Yeah, and fine. Is... You know, the beer is fine. She put I the numbers that. up. She put the numbers up. You can't argue against that. Yeah, right. Push your T. You got the numbers on the board. She put the numbers on the board. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's probably like 75 alcoholics out there who have been vaccinated twice. And they, they have like <laughs> no idea. They don't remember. <laughs> They're just rolling around behind, like, like putting out their other arm. They're like, wait, you text. have three Band-Aids on this arm. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no, no, it's way, my first man. one. Hold on, you got a, hold on you, got a, you got a weird wig on. Hold on, take a fake man. mustache. Norm. God. Yeah. Oh, you got me. You got me. Oh, <laughs> Can I get the beer though? I'll still get the shot. <laughs> If I can get the beer, though. I'll get any shot you want, man. Hey, let's do a shot right now. You want to do a shot, doctor? Which one? You want to do Jaeger? <laughs> what do you want to do? All right. And real quick, I want to talk about a new legend. There was Cat Lawyer, but we got a new legend in the game of fucking up a Zoom entrance, uh, a Zoom call. So this man showed up to a court date, and apparently he didn't have the, like, self-view set up in a Zoom uh, or just like didn't know how to use Zoom. He looks like he's like in his 20s or 30s. Like, so it's kind of surprising that he's this bad at technology. Uh, but we probably ju- should just play the audio. He, well, yeah, okay. The, but the, what you're going to hear is this judge reacting to the fact that this man's display name is Buttfucker3000. <laughs> right, right. And I will say this ahead of time. I don't think this was a mistake. He thought he was being fucking funny. And he says, dumb really? as shit. Yes. Nah. Watch his face, especially when he's like, oh, it, it, it's, it says. Hold on. Okay. We're going to watch the clip, and then we'll talk about it on the other side. Good morning, sir. What's your name? Judge is pissed. Silence from the 20 people in there. Me? Yeah, you. Yes. Nathaniel Saxon, sir. <laughs> your name's not Buttfucker3000, you <laughs> yo-ho. Logging into my court with that. Is your screen name? His face drops right well, that in a little bit. Uh, what kind of idiot logs into court like that? What's your name again? Nathaniel Saxton, sir, but I don't believe that I typed anything like that in. Well, that's what it says. See, that's where I don't believe him. This to uh, me looks like this. if I was a teacher, I'd be like, "Oh, you didn't know? You think you fucking funny? Get the fuck out my room!" <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> and then so he comes back later with Nathaniel Saxon, and he says that it's he's just so bad at describing it, and so bad he says that it was like the name of a wireless speaker, and it was an inside joke. But he just looks so flustered and is like, "I who me? I uh." <laughs> It just he had big like white guy. I'm sorry, I didn't know I couldn't do that energy, like yeah. on some level where he was like, oh, because he 
It reminded me of like, you know, that when we used to go out and eat and the bit I would do talking about, I forgot my wallet. Oh, no, my fuck. I forgot my wallet. Like <laughs> it felt like big fake ass. I fucked up mis- like energy. But either yeah. way, the <laughs> the reality is that's, that's a fucking you don't want to be that guy anymore. So, yeah, he tried. He tried. I mean, to be fair, you you got me to pay for lunch like eighteen times before I oh, got yeah. on. So I mean, it yeah, worked. I might just be very gullible. I think is what we're learning here. No, Jack, I'm really forgetful, and you're just a good man. I thought the uh, <laughs> that's right. I thought I thought the pasta counter lady was real, and now I think this dude was uh, actually mistaken. And but. pasta counter lady ended up being a from like that. You see that article is from a production company, like some magician runs. Oh, really? It's like they're all so many of these videos are coming out of some like this magician's production company. Oh, hell yeah. So, you know we'll what? See. So it wasn't uh, a real life thing. It was a setup. Set, setup. <laughs> Damn it. Yes. Once again, fooled. Uh, all right. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to deal with that information. Well, <laughs> just deny, deny. Fake news, fake news, fake yeah, news. Yeah, but that's what, maybe he's actually magic. Oh, shit. <laughs> Eamon, it's been a pleasure having you, man. Where can people uh, find you and follow you? Eamon.com is the name. Uh, you can go to Eamon, spelled A-Y-M-A-N-N.com, and it's sort of like my Linktree style website. And then uh, Slate.com. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's who pays my check. Yeah, yeah. There it is. Yeah. And is there a tweet or some of the work of social media you've been enjoying? Taylor Swift updates, Twitter account tweets, update. As oh, most yeah. of you know, I haven't been very active in the past couple of months because I was in prison. Sad face. <laughs> I'm back now, though. More Taylor Swift updates coming soon. Based. And, and, it's, and Ali underscore Anza says, oh, my God, why? And then Taylor Swift updates, replies, dot, dot, dot. I refuse to join the IDF. LMAO. LOL. <laughs> 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 Back to getting uh, these Taylor old. Swift updates off. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Miles, where can people find you? What's the tweet you've been enjoying? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray and also my other podcast, 420 Day Fiance. Check us out on twitch.tv slash 420 Day Fiance, uh, you know, to get in on that. Let's see. <laughs> There's a few tweets I like. This one is from Monkeepy Quinn. Quinn Welsh Wilson tweeted, we are closed. Nobody wants to work anymore. All they want to do is repeated gunshots and cash register noise. (laughs) Shout out to MIA. (laughs) (laughs) All they want to do. (laughs) And get some money. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Just like seeing it in text. <laughs> Another tweet I like, uh, also just along that lines of the nobody wants to work anymore. At Brad Bat tweeted, nobody wants to work anymore. Has big time girls don't want to date nice guys energy. Yeah, and I'm like, oh yeah, you got something uh-huh. there. And then one more fuck sake at Begora Bejesus tweeted, interviewer, how do you explain the four year gap in your CV? Me, oh that's when I went to Yale. That's very impressive. You're hired. Thanks. I really needed this job. yeah that's pretty good stupid but you gotta love it (laughs) uh let's see some tweets i've been enjoying steph mccann tweeted wait no why are plane tickets so expensive you're going that way anyway just give me a ride uh (laughs) a uh jocelyn silver tweeted at dinner with my mom's friend who just informed me that she used to buy quaaludes and do heroin with Lisa Frank, which I think is just a true story and fucking cool. Uh, and then Paul McCallion at Orange Pulp tweeted, uh, people who say frozen bananas taste like ice cream. Do you think I'm a fucking idiot? Uh, <laughs> I, I hate frozen bananas, so that just uh, really resonated with me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. footnotes. We link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you should go check out. Miles, what song are we recommending today? This is a track by Bink Beats, uh, who is this? He's a he's a musician who like does full on 
recreations of like electronic tracks but he plays all the instruments and like affects them so they sound like you know a dilla track or a flying lotus track but he's actually playing everything um and this is a track where he's doing a track by flying lotus called getting there but it, this is the bink beats cover you can get this on spotify but i would i'm what i'm gonna do in the footnotes check out the youtube video because you will see this man play everything from like the bells to like the electric piano and the drums and he's bring and even the vocals and he's recreating this track and it's just dope if you're a musician you're just gonna feel so jealous because he's so literate on so many instruments but man. it's still dope to watch tight the bells uh, all right. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for us this morning. We're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending. Hey, we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Bye.